Please pull up a seat and wind down. Was your sojourn on Rakenjima a pleasant one? The Golden Witch has invited you to a tea party. We hope you choose to attend. Hello and welcome to a hidden tea party. My name is Courtney. I am the witch of video games, and these are my guests. Hello. Hi. My name's Jess, my pronouns are they, them, and this is the end of Umaneko. It sure we is. We did it. We, we read the goal of Umaneko. Insert the like witch's court like golf clap sound here. <laughs> <laughs> doing that that's going in and also we read some extra material along the way so i guess like we've dubbed we've like read umaneko and a bit extra umaneko plus i mean we had that whole like fanfic episode it's it's all gone down we did this so that you don't have to <laughs> unless you want to haven't <laughs> <laughs> oh. been anybody reading along with us if if people have been reading along with us like that's dedication dedication to the pod i barely have <laughs> but yeah rowan's barely been reading along with us <laughs> if you've been reading along with us you deserve to bask in the same kind of aura we're feeling right now the triumph of having read maybe one of the longest pieces of fiction uh ever longer than the bible it's longer it's than the Bible. Shorter than that Dragon Age fanfic. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> Maybe we'll say original fiction. Yeah, to yeah. Not include fanfic. We can't include fanfic because fanfic authors are on another level. Also, um, is is Umaneko longer than One Piece? I don't know, actually. That's not in. It's different. It's a different medium, isn't it? It's difficult to tell yeah. exactly. This is definitely one of the longest visual novels of all time. Yeah. I can tell you that. By a long way, um, I should think, actually. By a long way, yeah, yeah. It is serialized, so, like, maybe some people would say that's cheating. I don't know, though. Like, come on. Serialized media is valid. <laughs> I was just about to say this has confirmed to me that I think serialization is a bad thing to happen to media. Ah! It destroyed the fucking Witcher. It's destroyed this yeah, I'm i kind know. of I with you mixed, on that mixed feelings about serialization i think i like it for this i like it for some other things there are some other things where i'm like oh maybe not so... i would have loved it for imaneko if the if we'd started with the vibe of the answer arcs where it was just feelings and confusing stuff and then it had morphed into a cool mystery but because it went the other way i'm like no <laughs> Mm. Not here for this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do wonder, because, okay, sorry to talk about Higarashi, but Higarashi is more of like a horror game with mystery elements mm. rather than Umaneko, which at least in the question arcs is like a mystery game. Yeah. So I don't know whether like, that's why he leaned harder into the mystery stuff, at least initially. It's also interesting because one of the 
uh, answer arcs of Higurashi is literally just, here's one of the question arcs, but from the culprit's perspective. And he did not do that with uh, Umanako. That's fun. Like, conceptually. Conceptually conceptually fun, depending on execution, could either be really cool or the most boring thing ever. Um, (laughs) Especially considering how long his arcs usually are. Yeah, it's very um, long. So, yeah. If it if it provides any form of answers, cool. <laughs> mm. uh, which it did, but like I understand because he only did that once in Higurashi. The rest of them, the answer arcs are not that, and obviously he did not do that in Umanako. Yeah, I imagine it's quite difficult to write that in a way that's compelling. So I understand why, yeah. especially because yeah, his chapters are ridiculously long. Yeah. It would be hard to not just fall into a trap of writing basically the same thing with the odd element of perspective difference, and that would just be very boring. <laughs> so yeah, I'm glad he didn't do that for this. Especially given what we know about the solution, it would have been a lot of just like Sayo waiting around with like a gun. Like, come mm-hmm. on, hurry up. <laughs> yeah, and Ryukishi would have to narrate like every second of this, like <laughs> waiting around with a gun. So thank thank God we never got any of that. Instead, instead. Well, let's go into our reading. Oh fuck. I've never I Hi, my name's Verone, my pronouns are he they. Oh, are you? <laughs> How are we still getting this? It's our last episode. It's our last episode <laughs> We're back to reading again. of Umanako. Oh, yeah. Bro, when we oh should have coordinated God. this, Courtney should have begun and then we should have just said nothing. Like in our first episode where we just sat in silence. <laughs> that would have been great. Let me tell you this. If you'd done that, I would have gone revenge on you when you start introducing oh, the yeah, episodes. No, that's true. What, what happened though was I got distracted, but I realised my pronouns are important for me to say at the moment. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, no, I do have different. to go back. Yeah, yeah I've, I've changed them recently, so I do have to go back. We're all good. That's fair. <laughs> that's good. So... This week, we finished Human Echo, and by finished Human Echo, I mean we read uh, uh, the last chapter uh, and just choice. We read both endings and both tea parties. If you do not want spoilers for this, please stop listening, because we're, we're going in. We're going in. And a lot happens, so strap in. Say what you will about the ending of Human Echo, you can't deny a lot happens. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Whether you can pass it or not is there's not is not the same question. There's definitely a lot. <laughs> well, that's what we're here to do. We're here to help you pass through some of I the. I won't be helping. I'm bits. going to be swimming in confusion yet again. Yeah, I don't know why. At the end of all things, I still went into this believing Ryokishi would give me some answers. <laughs> <laughs> like I still blindly believed he would tell us something. <laughs> before we started, well not before, well during some of our earlier episodes, Rowan, you in particular were worried that there would be no ending to Umineko. Yeah. Do you think the ending we got, do you consider it an ending? So my main concern, I think, has was to do with like getting given like answers or like 
I'm trying to remember how I felt back then because I feel was like it answers to like the main mystery. Were you worried that like my my feelings about Umineko have shifted gear so much in the last two episodes? Yeah, um, that I it's it's hard for me to think about what I felt back then. I remember you saying quite a lot about how you didn't want it to be a thing where they kind of said you have to believe in magic and all of this was a dream and none of it really happened. Yeah, yeah. I felt, I feel like at least Rikishi committed to uh, whether or not he thinks it's magic and whether or not he wants us to believe witches were real. But I'd kind of gotten to that already. I'm glad we didn't get a like, I don't know, this was pretty close to it was all a dream ending. It was fairly close, I will say, to that, yes. Um, I wouldn't say it was as unsatisfying as that. Uh, it though. really could have been. It really could have yeah. been. Um, yeah. There, it's so... definitely an ending. There is a sense of finality to yeah. it, especially the magic ending. Yes. 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 So if you'd asked me a week ago, what's the worst ending to Umineko you could think of? I would have... This is better than that. If you'd asked me a week ago, what's the best ending you could think of to Umineko? This it's is a far cry one. from that. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you on right. both of those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I think, again, going back to when I was doing this the first time, I think this was a kind of unexpected direction for the, for the ending. But I wasn't sure what to expect. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult to know what to expect after sitting through episode eight, really. Um, but it was still something that resonated quite a lot with me, and on a reread, maybe resonated more. Mm. I don't know. Let's talk about what it's... happened then, shall we? And we let's can talk about what happened. Some thoughts let's, in. Let's, um... let's dive in. So, we jump in to the uh, Lambda Burncastle fight. Yes from the end of last episode. And can I just take this opportunity to say, Ryukishi's fight scenes are just nuts and I love it. Yeah. They this... are like they are like somebody um took the Yu-Gi-Oh cards and took all of the monsters from the Yu-Gi-Oh cards and stuff and made them magic creatures that were like conjured by people and then set them on against each other. Um yeah. <laughs> in a way that's kind of like ridiculous but also like yeah. big and kind of it's epic. nuts um like it's it's silly but it's it's fun i think ryukishi's very good at invoking a sense of scale yeah. in these fights yeah they're big. like they're big and like they like he describes something that's like in theory beyond the limits of human imagination, but in a way that you can still kind of conceptualize. Hmm. I agree is with how, that. Is why I think I enjoy them. Where he's like, he describes the Lambda and Burn fight as them like creating entire universes that are hmm. created and then destroyed in like the scale of this conflict. And I really love that image. Yeah, yeah. that's fun. And then in the ne- basically the next sentence, Burncastle's like, oh, I win. And then like, it's like Lambda Delta's now just this little cookie. I'm going to snatch her out of the air and eat her. And then 
Lambda explodes as the cookie inside Burncastle's stomach and makes her like throw up galaxies and shit. And they're all, yeah. and they're like, Burn, they're like Burncastle, you shouldn't eat cookies off the floor, you freak. <laughs> and, I <was> like, <laughs> and I was like, okay, so that's good. quite fucking funny, actually. <laughs> Return of the tiny bombs. <laughs> oh my god! Return of the tiny bombs. It wasn't. It Thank was. You, a, it was, there was a bomb in a cookie. Tiny bomb cookie. Uh, um. Yeah. I. I really agree with something Courtney said a while ago, which is that one of the disappointing things about the Yuma Echo anime is that it never got to this stuff because mm. this is so anime. All yeah, of these fight the kind scenes of stuff are, that would have really incredible in an in an animation. Yeah, potentially. To be fair, I do not trust the Yuma Echo anime to deliver on any of this. <laughs> Just... <laughs> That's fair. It clearly didn't do a good job at the rest of it, so... <laughs> <laughs> I, again, we're probably never going to visit the Imaneco anime, but one of my biggest criticisms of it is that like, it interpreted everything in kind of, I think, the most boring way. Mm. And that's one of the reasons I think it fails for yeah, me. Um, An Umaneko anime could do this really cool. The team who were making yeah. the current Umaneko anime, maybe not. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't think they could have delivered on the that. The Umaneko anime that um, lives inside my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bathory and Angela are waiting for the seal around the key to dissolve so yeah. they can get the key to the diary. And Bathory's like, okay, here's the plan. Lambda and Burn seem pretty evenly matched. So I'm thinking I can go in there and help Lambda out and that might tip the scales in her favor just like a little bit. Mm. So you, and you can run off with the key and use the fragment that Lambda gave you to go back to the Golden Land. Yes. That's the battle plan. Um... I will say about this as well is is that Ryukishi does a good job in this of like having the Ushiramiyas, like the humans, also fight in like in yes. like a big magical battle. They've all got their girl boss gun poses that like you know the adults and yeah. shit. Like mm. Jessica's punching people side to side with cannon. Shannon's trying to protect George, and it's kind of gross. Um, he he does that like cool anime pushes the glass up, up his nose and the and like with the reflection yeah. things and stops a goat by like grabbing its fist as he's punching it and I was like sorry Groge you can't do anything to win my favor you little incel boy uh, you can't like you you can't you can't be cool now <laughs> like this is this is the most like incel way of doing it though like this is such such a milady response yeah he says like point, my brain is bigger than yours and you're just meaty muscle like like down to I'm the anime like glasses push like all he needed to do was whip out a fedora, fedora. and a yeah. uh, katana um he says at one point anti an anti-social shut in is it very well say what you wish about me and i'm like i fucking will i'm fucking yeah, will, he's, buddy he's basically <laughs> like he's here. basically like you can attack me all you want but don't you dare come for shannon my love and i'm like bless her um we get we get maria yeah there's a there's a bit where Ma maria basically just like fucking tosses a gun behind her and Rosa catches it and shoots some goats or whatever and Eric uses this as a weird opportunity to be like why are you helping each other when Rosa doesn't love you Maria and like um, you know what this feels like what? have either of you actually seen Avengers Endgame no okay 
No, because I hate Infinity War so much I stopped watching it halfway through. I've never been interested in Marvel. Sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So there's a big battle scene at the end of Endgame because of course there is. Oh, the most ambitious crossover of all time. Yeah, yeah. um, Raid Shadow Legends. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Not sponsored. (laughs) Not sponsored. Anyway, um, so they have this huge battle and because they've got like every fucker there they've got like ant-man they've got like all the lasses from all the different things they have to like do a fun cool thing for everybody yeah so they they kind of pan around the battlefield and everybody gets a like a moment where they all sort of like do something and they're like your faves will interact so like somebody will like bounce off someone's shield or something and like they'll be doing one-liners at each other there's one thing i really like remember about that scene which is there's a moment where like all of the women are like fighting things and then they all get like hit and so they all sort of fall into the same pit together so that they can have a shot where they like spin around and show all the women um being badasses and this is what this felt like to me <laughs> was like are oh, you remember all of the blobos yeah, they've got <laughs> a badass moment yeah and i'm like i don't begrudge that because it's like it's fun and it was when you've got this many ocs you've got to remind us who they are and that they exist as well <laughs> so like yeah and like the the one rosa stan that exists is gonna love the little gun <laughs> moment and you yeah. know like I get it. It just has the same. Like I cannot not think about. It was a. It was a weird moment because like Erica like takes the time to kind of like try and interrogate their relationship and stuff by kind of simplifying it too much. I think. Um, it's an echo back to episode two, yes. which was like the Rosa, the Rosa episode. episode, and like obviously like because erica's like well rosa didn't love maria because rosa said all of that stuff about regretting her being born or anything but like i think that was technically in a witch scenario that that happened in um and also in the cat box and so maria's like and so maria's like but i didn't write that in my diary and i'm like yeah yeah whatever like um it's kind of all moot because like Rosa clearly did abuse Maria. That was in the diary. <laughs> um, yeah, the social worker. That's that that it. It wasn't in the diary. It could be inferred from the diary, but it wasn't what Maria wrote. I mean, the neglect was very much in the diary. Even if even if Maria's diary said like, "Oh, Mama wasn't home again tonight," and yeah, didn't like that, like say like, "Oh, Mama's." bad and neglectful for doing that you can read like a child being like my mother is absent literally every night i have to feed myself and know that is neglect without the child having to say yeah. i'm being and, neglected like, we know the social worker was like wanting to take maria away like there is there is actual evidence for that abuse in, like physical evidence in a way that there isn't for the anja ava situation say um but also it was also a weird one because i was just like like it doesn't actually matter whether Rosa loves Maria or not. Like she probably does, but she still treats her like shit. Um, like the two aren't mm. mutually exclusive. Oh no, not it, this again! Not uh, yeah. this again! <laughs> and like you know, like 
Maria still loves her mum, even though she's scared of the Black Witch that is also her mum, you know? Like, it's all very complicated. So yeah, I was just like, why are we talking about this in the middle of a battle? Again, I think it's like an episode two callback, which is quite nice. Yeah, it's it's panning around the battlefield as reminding you that, like, Nebula's here and so skatey and whatever. (laughs) And so so is Abuser Woman and her daughter, you know? (laughs) Which one? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we get a cool anime fight with, like, Rosa, like, managing to, like, kind of decimate Erica. Uh, Rudolph and Kyrie help out as well. Oh, they do. It's their synchronized pistol spin that they do. Like, they've been practicing. If Um, anybody wants to learn how to do this shit with me, like, feel free to hit (laughs) me up. I would love to be able to, like, synchronize pistol like spin with yeah, someone yeah absolutely delena finally gives us an insight into her feelings about erica that vaguely makes sense because she like races at erica and is like i used to think you were a- an evil person but i also used to think you were you deserved sympathy and now i don't i should have killed you on sight and i'm like okay that's why you are you are kind of tried to help her and act like her friend for a bit then i guess yeah they pull back on the homoeroticism finally <laughs> <laughs> they're just like quick loose ends tie them up <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and so erica has to retreat but she gets <laughs> she gets the warships to fire uh their uh, concept negation explosive rounds yes which uh, basically just completely start to like demolish the golden land i'm thinking about like if you went back to me and like episode two of this podcast and was like oh yeah concept negation uh, whatever rounds um we've got like a, a ship that's firing them into the golden land how do you Powered feel about by this goats. and i would be like <laughs> what the actual fuck are you talking about whereas <laughs> yeah. like at this moment this We're is like, yeah yeah we know the concept negation explosion rounds you know the one like, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah that's, that, that makes sense like oh it doesn't need to have been foreshadowed because like of course she's got them of course she's got concept negation explosion rounds it's also funny because these rounds go off and like they make everything explode and the golden lands on fire and the narration's like kind of looks like hell I'm like, yeah. that seems really appropriate, actually. Both in terms of, like, you know, it's full of demons and shit and all of this magic going off, but also, like, I feel like most of the people in there, well... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they ain't going upstairs, let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Beatrice, like, decides to confront Erica on the ship, and they have a have a little sword fight uh Beatrice turns her pipe into a sword Erica turns her scythe into a sword we don't really get to see it before we cut away but uh, I love the idea again this needs to be an anime I need to see this fight scene like actually play out because this was fucking slap yeah what we need so is we need hard. an anime that cuts out everything in Umineko apart from the fight scenes <laughs> and just does all the fight scenes back to back and then just ends out of nowhere <laughs> Back in the city of books, Lambda and Vern are still at it. They're still waiting for the seal around the key to dissolve. But who should show up? But the witch of theatre going, Featherine Augustus Aurora. Yeah, I just wrote Featherine arrives. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) You know this isn't good news. Lambda is not pleased. (laughs) Yeah, she tries to sort of break up Vern and Lambda. Uh, and we get some narration saying that Lambda's aware that if she attacks 
burn uh, Featherine's Miko in front of Featherine, that's basically attacking Featherine. It also establishes that Featherine is basically on a level above witches, so that she could basically mince any of these people very easily. <laughs> so, oopsie! They compare it to, it's like, witches see normal people as pieces, Featherine sees witches as pieces. Yeah. So I'm like, alright, oh, she, so she's like a god, basically. Um. Wow. Ryokishi's OC is literally the most powerful person present, and this is revealed at the final moment. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> Lambda decides to um to still fight it out basically uh and uh says that she's gonna do it on the condition that she gets voted in the top five in the next popularity contest yeah she's like you better all like me (laughs) which actually does help me like her. I will confirm now that in the popularity contest, following Twilight of the Golden Witch, Lambda Delta placed third. Oh, uh, so she so... got the witch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it worked. Uh, in recent ones, she hasn't placed as high, but I think she consistently stays in the top ten. So, good for her. Um, uh, naturally, I think number one is usually like either Battler or Beatrice. Yeah, that makes sense. I was like, Battler and Beato, number one and two, that makes sense. So, Lambda decides her best strat is to hit, like, the Halo type thing on, um, Featherine's head, which is apparently a memory device that keeps her, like, aware and in her current form. Because she's like so powerful and so old that if she didn't have it, she'd forget who she was because she has too much, too much knowledge. I don't know, that is kind of fun. Like the idea that like, the because obviously you have to place a limit on this character. You like, damn, this is literally the oldest and bit like most powerful being that you've ever come across. Mm. You have to place a limit on it. And I think this is a fun way of doing that. Like I'll, I'll credit Ryukishi for that. Yeah, it's this like is fun. biggest biggest strength, kind of also biggest weakness is a fun one. Uh, but Lambda doesn't really get to do that. Yeah, because uh, Featherine, we this is the only real time we actually see Featherine use her like power and she like decides to like sort of write the script of reality yeah she's just like oh well i'm i'm gonna stop time and write the fight scene that we're just gonna do which is a bit op i will say yeah no wonder everyone's scared of her that's very powerful what what she ends up doing and i love this is she writes the ending of the fight which is basically lambda gets thrown against a wall and all of her limbs fall off basically yes <laughs> yeah she gets hit thrown into the wall by something and then like that happens like lambda is like wait what hit me what i'm I, I, i'm dead my limbs uh and featherine's like well of course she doesn't know i haven't written what it is yet she's like i've started at the end so that happens and i'll i'll fill in it with something cool later <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she actually asks Lambda if she has any good ideas. Like, what do you want to be killed by? <laughs> like, which is also a fun, like, that is a fun nod to often how people write things, is they start at the at the result they want and work backwards. So, you know, yeah. that was, that, I enjoyed yeah. that. That was fun. The, the only advice I've ever been given for how to write a murder mystery is you figure out who the culprit is, you figure out what the murderer is, and then you work backwards that way. 
Yeah, same. I once I was one one of the podcasts I enjoy listening to once described their the way they wrote mysteries was they set up a situation that seemed impossible and then solved it themselves. And I was like, that seems like the hardest way to do it. <laughs> I was like, that seems so unnecessarily difficult. Yeah. Um, <laughs> surely this is easier. But yes, so um, I imagine it it creates some really fun mystery so there was some fun things yes said say what you will about umaneko but ryukishi did like every mystery ryukishi wrote he did know the answer to when he wrote it yeah he didn't he didn't deign to tell us the answers but he knew them <laughs> yeah he knew them so <laughs> at least he knew the broad strokes i would i i still think more detail would have would have been good Yes. Yeah. We won't go back um, there. <laughs> uh, just looking away from this whole fight because Ange knows that as the witch of the future, she like can't accept this as the future. She's got to keep the possibility open that Lambda Delta might have survived. Yeah, it's basically it's this. Like Battler goes on about it at the beginning. He's basically like, if you don't see people die, then you don't know if they die. The cat box remains shut. Whatever. Yeah. Um. So yeah. just don't look at the death, and they won't happen for you. Um. <laughs> Which is interesting. Can verify doesn't work in real life. Rip. Even if you don't see someone die, they're still dead. Sorry. Well, we'll get to it. Maybe not what the game thinks, but is is true. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's stop throwing some toxin around on this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, we brought so much. You've you unwittingly brought two completely toxin-filled humans to your podcast about magic and witches. Um, Arguably toxin-filled in very different ways, but still toxin-filled. Opposite ways. <laughs> I don't know. You seem a lot more reasonable about it than I am. <laughs> I'm not sure that's true, but sure. <laughs> so at this point, the seal on the key has broken, so Ange can take it, but because Lambda Delta has been defeated, the fragment to go to the Golden Land has shattered. How inconvenient. So Burncastle comes to, to take the key. Well, she comes she she comes to gloat, is what she yeah. does, really. <laughs> and in a surprise twist that shocks even Featherine, Battler just punches Burncastle in the face. Yeah, it's extremely good. The 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 art for this is great. Like it's so he fucking good. like launches himself with a really long arm, and like she's like thrown backwards with like you know like the kind of the rippling force effect of his punch like on her cheek, <laughs> little blood coming out, you know. Um, and it's also apparently clear that she's not felt pain for like hundreds of years so she's like what the fuck is this I don't like it (laughs) (laughs) so um, uh, Battler just kind of can keeps like going at it basically yeah and she keeps just like teleporting out of the way Um, yeah uh, and she's asking Featherine to help out but she's like Oh, I'm so sorry, Burn. I'm too busy writing how Lambda died. <laughs> yes, I'm busy. <laughs> Deal uh, with it. So she summons the the cat overlords, which Burncastle describes as main characters from uh, other game boards. Specifically, main characters who are much cooler and more uh, like from more high stakes stories than Battler. 
So they're just better. <laughs> it's just like all of these people were really cool and they saved the world. What the fuck did you do? They'll defeat you in an instant, which I thought was such an own and it was it was very good. Yeah. This is so funny to me because Ryukishi does not give us any OCs. And this is like this is <laughs> this would have been like so funny if Burn uh Burncastle had summoned like like they do like a fake version of Battler who's like <laughs> looking way cooler and has like tattoos or something and this like a is, punk rock. This is Blattler and he has abs and he's taller than you and he's got yeah. even spikier hair and he saved the world and <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like there's a gap here where there could have been OCs and what we don't I get them. Done is I would have just put in the entire cast of Super Smash Brothers Ultimate and uh... <laughs> <laughs> and the battler turns around and he's like he's like these are all cooler characters and be that's Kirby <laughs> and he'd be like yeah yeah it is yeah. Kirby is cooler than you <laughs> yeah um, however the cat's overlord's attacks prove ineffective because it turns out that battler still has game master privilege he does they can't even touch his beautiful hair apparently because he's still yeah. he's still game master. <laughs> he's still game master, so he can only be fought on the level of a game master. So only so Burn has to fight him, playing by the rules of Beato's game. And so Burn's like, okay, well, I I think I can handle this. And just as she's about to start, we get a little appearance from Erica, who's got some news. Who we're always pleased to see, you know. We love Erica, yeah. <laughs> huge fan. Huge fans. Um <laughs> Erica reveals that the Golden Land has been completely destroyed and presents to um, uh, Burn the Golden Heart of Beatrice. Yeah, yeah, that's a bit gross, isn't it? Yeah. Also, Andrew's like, no, you didn't. Don't believe you. <laughs> yeah, Andrew's like, yeah, I'm not accepting this. So Burn whips out the red truth and confirms that uh, uh, everyone, uh, everyone died, basically. And the Golden Land's gone. And I'm like, to be fair, Andrew knew this. Because <laughs> you yeah. know, and Byrne says that even if she is the witch of the future and can interpret whatever she wants, uh, she can't overcome death. This bit's really weird. Um, mm. So, like, yeah, there's this, there's this whole bit where like Battler's like, no, stop crying. You promised to live in the future, whether or not we were alive or dead. And then Burncastle fires a load of closed dream mysteries at him that look like snakes. Yeah, Burncastle <laughs> is like, I'm just having a breakdown, but Burncastle's like, still gotta fight Battler though. Burncastle's form of attack is to summon a bunch of like closed room mysteries in the form of like snakes for Battler to have to like cut down. And if Battler can't solve like a single one, it's over. And also he has like no time to solve them. Yeah. And Andrew can't help because she's shit at mysteries. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Battler manages to um, do as the best he can. So Burns like, okay, you're good at classic mysteries, but what about some more twists? What about some ones from different times or uh, different places? And uh, Battler's like not really focusing on the battle. He's focusing on trying to deliver his message to Ange, what he's been trying to do this entire episode. Battler tells her that he, she has spent all, all of her life waiting for a miracle that wasn't going to happen. 
And Battler says he's not going to repeat the same mistake. He's going to keep fighting. He's not going to wait for a miracle. He also tells her to remember her first wish. Yes. That she that had is, when she was six. That is the first... That is, that is basically what he says is he's dying, unable to fight off all these closed rooms. And she's like, oh, my wish was that my family would come home. Yeah. And then I saw the single truth and now I can't believe that anymore because I know it's not going to happen. Um, yeah. But Battle's like, you can still have that if you have strength in your heart. I'm like, can she? <laughs> can she? And then she kind of does, and I don't really understand it. Um, okay. Yeah. So, Anne just thinking about her wish. She's thinking about still having this hope, even if she knows it's impossible. If she yes. has enough, if she has enough strength, she can still have it. And using this she manages to revive Battler. Yeah, despite the fact that uh, Burncastle has just declared his death in red. Yeah, in red. Yeah. She's like, even if the whole world says uh, he's dead, she will. St- Ange will still believe that Battler is alive and that he will come back to her. Yeah, and um, this is an interesting one because, like, one of the things that I liked about the way that magic was depicted in, for instance, Sayo's story was that it was mostly like coping mechanisms for dealing with shitty situations, how to like get through and yeah. um, and stuff like that. But like they were generally helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this, this is just denial. <laughs> Yeah. Um like Burncastle's like, okay, well this is a delusion, and I'm like, well yeah, yeah it is, isn't it? Like, that's what this is. <laughs> it's uh <laughs> um and it's it's weird because I kind of thought the whole thing, like I thought the whole message of this last thing would be, you know, live in the future, which is what they've been saying, grieve and move on. Like, accept the death of your family, move on with your own life rather than living in the past and thinking about your family. But what they're kind of telling her is, is, um, no, believe your family will come back at any point, which is essentially the same as being stuck in the past. Um, and then try and live anyway, while repressing all of that and probably having a huge later-life breakdown, because that's how mental health works. Um, so I was a bit, I was a bit like, okay... (laughs) So I don't think that's what they're telling her. I, if I, if I'm trying, like, that's what I got out of this. If I had to guess what they were trying to say, what Ryukishi thought he was trying to say, I would guess that he's trying to say, like, the people you love live on within you and, like, never truly die, even though, like, they are dead. But, like, the fact that Andrew is so explicitly stating like no i believe they will come back not like they live on within me they will be like they will come back to me seems to like undermine that reading so i was a bit like "Eh, i don't know what to do with that my reading of this and like my like interpretation of what is essentially umineko's final thesis on magic is that you don't need to live in the past or worry about what will happen because of the past because if you have an unshaking belief in the tr- in like in your hope in your truth 
it doesn't matter what the future throws at you because you know you're going to be okay. I think if the situation had been different, then that would make more sense to me. But obviously, like, like hoping that your dead family are not dead, I don't know, just seems like a really bad idea. But it means that Ange no longer has to, like, track down anyone or like worry about what happened on the island or like go and search for people because if she believes that some that like her family will return to her one day and that no, no matter what that will happen then it means she doesn't have to keep worrying about it i think i know too much about how unprocessed trauma works for this to take any hold on me because i know that if you actually tried to do this you'd have a huge fucking breakdown in like maybe even maybe she'd last 30 years <laughs> before she had an enormous breakdown because like she'd just not processed any of her feelings over any of this i i take this as like the final form of processing this whole book has been her journey of processing i feel like what she's not i feel like she's not processed at all during any of this like she's she's hated ava instead of grieving her family she's now she spent her whole time fighting against battler's kind of portrayal of her future instead of grieving her family so like i kind of get what you're coming across but i kind of read it in exactly the opposite way um it's a way for her to not have to define her life by her family coming back if that makes sense because it's not something she has to worry about it's not something she has control over yes. i suppose yeah i will give you that that's what she's kind of admitting is that like basically she's admitted that the situation that she will end up in regarding this whole part of her life like this has happened nothing she can do will change this yeah like an accident happened all the stuff in her past has happened that is unchangeable so why think that like something she will do will influence the future? She was kind of in this mindset where she was like, if I find out the truth, my family will come home. That was where she mm. started with this. She was so desperate to find the truth. She was like, if I find the truth, I will find my family. And now yeah. at this point, she's like, it doesn't matter. I don't need to think about this incident anymore because I will, I will find my family. Mm. At some point in the future, regardless of what I do, because to me, that's the truth. I guess, like, if you believe in heaven and hell someday. Yeah. It's in, it, she doesn't say what sense she believes in this, or like to what scope. Yeah. Mm, sadly, she does say, I believe they're going to come back. <laughs> she, she very more explicitly clarifies on it later as well that she, she says, they will come home to me. Um, I don't believe they're yeah. just in, they're living behind, like, battlers, like, oh, we live on behind you. So she's like, no, you will come home. Which which felt like it was refuting the idea of they live on just within you. It's like, yeah, physical... it's not, oh, they will live on within you. It is a, she will be reunited with them. Which simply isn't true, really. <laughs> Why should you deny something like that? Why is that something that people are so quick to want to deny? Um, because it's very unhealthy to believe <laughs> to hold on it's, to false hope your whole life. Because this is very similar to Anja's reaction to Maria's diary in episode four. Yeah, I agree, and I also didn't like that. 
and the way that was portrayed for exactly the same reason. Yeah, I guess it's a very it's a very different way of processing your past in a way that resonates with me but I know doesn't resonate with everyone. Yeah, because it looks like avoidance of processing to me. Like, it, it does resonate with me in the sense that it resonates with the part of me that denied that anything was wrong. You know? Um, the repressed bits. And because I know how unhealthy that was for me, I'm like, this is not something you should promote. And I feel like magic is being positioned in this game as something good. So I feel like those two things don't match up at all for me. And so the entire, which unfortunately means the entire kind of message of this game is really lost on me. Yeah, because I don't see it as repression. I see it as a way of being able to work towards a future, as a way of seeing what happened to you as like your past trauma or the hardships you faced as something as something more supernatural as something as like a journey that you can't influence and so why spend all your time trying to correct the past or like trying to like influence events that have already happened to you when you can like take those events and experiences and use them in a way to create a new future for yourself. I think that is the kindest reading of this you can possibly give. <laughs> yeah. Like, what you are describing is like, you know, you know, we talked about like, oh, well, one of the strengths of Human Echo is like, you can walk away from the same character, the same situation and like, feel very different things. I think, Courtney, your interpretation of this is the like, yeah the most tender one this is the most magic orientated like this is you you've taken this and you've like drawn out of it something that is like i think better than what either jess or i got from reading this because the things that jess is describing i can really understand from this reading and like i agree with those as well where it's like well like the the sadly anja does like physically say like i believe these people will come back to me and sadly i don't think anja is doing a very good job of processing her trauma if this was about something that wasn't all my family died on an island yeah, explosion and now thing. i've got to grieve their deaths you could perhaps deal with this slightly differently um <laughs> but sadly no anja like anja i'm i'm afraid to say part of grief is acceptance i've watched all the john wick films i know the how grief goes but yeah i don't know like i can see where you're coming from definitely horny but i really have to stretch to get there i suppose for me this like visual novel is so influential in my own way of thinking and helped me with my own way of processing that like that's why i can immediately click with what it's trying to say and and everything you've described is better than what we were like everyone deals with about. trauma differently and stuff and clearly obviously like this this book has an enormous has has a big dedicated fan base who i assume a lot of which are there because they resonated with these ideas as well it it, it clearly isn't just you who interpreted it this way um 
but I was kind of yeah I was reading this kind of being like how 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 do people how do people read this and see this in a positive light I just don't get it because I really understand your reading Jess and because my reading of that was so negative it really influenced everything else about this ending for me as well unfortunately I came away with this mad as hell because I (laughs) guess red truths aren't real you can just deny them well we finally get we finally get an answer for what the golden truths are now uh so the golden truth is according to Ange, a believing heart this is our consensus compared to the the truth that we all acknowledge and share your truth can't hurt anything it's basically a shared consensus of people that does disregards objective truth and for this reason i have decided with Ryukishi's blessing, that I am also going to become a flat earther. <laughs> Again, because the objective red truth that the world is round just no longer touches me. <laughs> and there's a community of people who share this. You'd become a flat earther in the sense that you, like, aren't a conspiracy theorist. That's the sort of golden truth way of being a flat earther. Would be like, I don't care about, like, proving that there's a flat earth. I don't care about, like, there being, like, a conspiracy to hide the flat earth. All that matters is I believe that there is a flat earth, and that's all that matters to me. I think quite a few flat earthers probably do think that, to be honest. Not all of them, obviously. They're probably the most harmless flat earthers, because they're not going around going to flat earth conventions and uh, trying to say that NASA's run by Jews. Uh, so just like that was the first thing I thought of when I thought of this was it basically like yeah this is this is this is um mass rejection of of the truth um and I can I can I can definitely see how you could you can end up with a lot more you know positive uh interpretations and examples of it than that yeah but that was the first thing that (laughs) that popped into my mind (laughs) that's fair I think what like what makes it powerful for me is it's creating a truth that you don't need to prove. Because there's all this stuff in Umaneko, especially early on, about proof, about, like, that's the whole basis of Erica's character. She's obsessed yeah. with proof, especially using proof to hurt people. Um, and this is, like, moving beyond that, where you can't be hurt by people trying to, like, use the truth as a weapon. <laughs> you know it's 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 the essence of how magic works in this game obviously isn't it it's um it's people are deciding that things that you know everyone everyone was like kinzo's alive he's in the study when he wasn't because they'd all agreed he was alive and they were all creating this fiction together but i think this is like an evolved an evolved form of that because it's not for any kind of like material gain it's a it's like a spell to help you move towards the future. It would be like if they said that Kinzo was alive for the because Natsuki like um needed the encouragement of Kinzo to move forward with her life. Which no one would ever say because nobody would ever require Kinzo's encouragement. Yes, exactly. Well maybe like her version of Kinzo that yeah, she to be honest, created. I mean her version of Kinzo, he was still an asshole, but he, he was a little bit better. <laughs> seemingly he believed in her <laughs> natsuhi's version of kinzo and like that one time that Ange thought she was really good friends with mammon the demon steak that's basically the same thing yeah basically just yeah. imaginary friends sort of like the next form of imaginary friends where it's like you're not out there like being like 
I need other people to validate this for me. It's like, it's something that I hold true to my belief and I don't need outside validation to like confirm this. That's Very what fair. this scene shows. Burncastle is the manifestation of denial of your truth is what I mean. Word denial is very loaded in this scenario. Yeah, I've used it. I've used it a lot. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So the manifestation of like someone trying to burn down like a belief that you hold on to. Yeah. And you saying, "I don't care. I I don't. Yeah. I'm. I don't hold this belief for like your validation." Which, yeah, you know, like, I, for, for me personally, if it had been, if it had been a situation where that was being used to, say, affirm someone's confidence in themselves or something, being like, I don't need to prove that I'm a good person because I believe that, you know, like, I can see how, like, that would be a good thing. It doesn't, it doesn't read to me as a good thing when it's about someone's dead family, but, like, I can see how it, like, there are positive applications to that kind of logic. Um that i can see again i i just feel like it works in the scenario because it means that there's no reason for Ange to fixate on this tragedy anymore i don't know like you don't i don't read it in that like you can definitely read it in that sense but like i got confused by the actual endings in the sense that when you choose the true ending she isn't fixated on finding her family members because I assumed that I believe they're going to come back meant I'm going to look for them. Yeah, that's not that's not what it means. Yeah, which it didn't really make clear. I feel yeah. like because I was like she seems to have said all of this stuff about want like that being her her goal in life is to find her is to have her family come home, but then she's acting as as if she's moved on. Um, and those two things just clashed massively for me and made me confused. Uh, you're understanding my confusion about these endings now, yes? <laughs> okay. Start okay. confused, end got... confused. That's my uh, <laughs> my motto with these VNs, apparently. I've got um, I've 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 figured out I figured out my grand plan for Rowan rewrites Umaneko. So much as I love the girl, I'm gonna all but cut out the Anja shit. Oh, because rip. I think <laughs> rip Anja. You've got you've just got rid of Anja. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think this this argument, I think this conclusion is so much more compelling if you give it to Sayo. Because I mean, you could make this yeah. a book about being transgender. <laughs> and her golden truth could be about her gender identity, and it would be so much more compelling. And if you put it in that lens, it would be it would fucking slap. I did miss but Sayo sadly, in this episode. Yeah, I will say. Um, sadly, Sayo, somebody who's been built up and built up and built up, gets written off like last episode, and we yeah. basically just do not see anything to do with Sayo. Yeah, we and get this, be a treat. This Jay. argument would have made so much more sense and actually landed for me. With, yeah, I, with I agree. I, I felt like I understood magic in Sayo's story a lot more. I, I fucking that's 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 my big Umaneko take is um Anja and Jewel Genderman should not have been I, in this oh, novel. Oh gosh, and the Jewel <laughs> Genderman too? But that is your I mean, blobo. if you're putting out Angie, you have blobo. to get rid of him as well, right? <laughs> I think 
I think Ange works because I think for the emotional core to hit, it needs to be someone who's not who's like who's not divorced dead. from the Catholics. I, yeah. I do think I do think like I like the fact that there is a strand of this story that continues into the future. I like that Andrew is in it. I just, yeah, I think it should have been dealt with a bit differently at the ending for me personally. Um, I like it because it shows that having hope your family will return does not mean I need to go look for them. It means this Mm. will happen regardless of whatever I do. Yeah, it seems, I think if it had contextualized it a bit more like it's fate, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been on side because I'm still like, Andrew, that doesn't exist, baby girl. Um, (laughs) But I would like, I would have kind of understood her motivations for it a little bit more. Whereas it did seem like an active thing that she was, that she wanted and she was going for. Um, I'm really sorry. I'm so sorry this has to come out now. I'm really sorry about this in advance. I am a fate believer. I'm the fate truther. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Based on my life story, if I believed in fate, I'd be so fucking depressed. So it's a good job I don't. <laughs> I guess for me, if I didn't believe in fate, I'd be so fucking depressed. That's very fair. <laughs> I'm not depressed. Woo! <laughs> I was like, right, okay. More depressed. (laughs) (laughs) I like the idea of everything being on like a path, you know, Mm. that's basically this kind of stuff happens for a reason kind of thing. Yeah. And that if there's something I'm hoping, it's it's basically what Andrew's doing is a little thing on the internet we call manifesting. Yeah. Um, Manifesting my family comes home. Uh, I can get behind some manifesting. It's not because it's not about I'm going to go spend the rest of my life fixating on my family coming home. It's like, right, I've told the universe my family's going to come home. Let's go on and do something else while the universe works on that. Weirdly enough, I actually like now that you've been like describing it like that, I like it more. Yeah. That's how I. That's my interpretation of the entire ending of Uber Echo. That's funny. It's manifest. <laughs> manifest that. Yeah, babe. It's manifest, bestie. <laughs> it's like I've cast a spell, my golden truth spell of my family is going to come home. Now that that's been cast, I've done all the work I need to do. See ya. Uh, I'm gonna go. go yeah, peace out. Uh, I'm done. I'm gonna go Ooh. become a successful children's novelist. Speaking um, of, what happens next? <laughs> Where did we get yeah. to? <laughs> we were having the little the little Burncastle and battle where Burncastle's just thrown around these red truths and Ange summons every OC and creates a giant golden eagle. An eagle made of golden truth. Oh yeah, and it destroys Burns Blue Mystery Whale and this is, and I was just like blue eyes white whale <laughs> defeated. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh is here again. <laughs> the eagle is amazing because it's it's specifically a two-winged eagle because the eagle has finally found the strength to fly. It's, it's so good. It's the one-winged Yoshirama eagle, but it's evolved like a Pokemon into its final form. Two-winged eagle. Um, which is very funny. With Burncastle defeated. She turns back into a cat and Battler's like, she looks like a wet mop. 
<laughs> I love. Yeah. yeah. Just being like it's looking how I at this. Describe my manager at work. Looking at this little like looking at this like all powerful witch and be like she looks like a fucking wet mop. <laughs> I don't know. Incredible. Also, I just yeah. realized. I don't know why it was surprised. I'm a fate believer. I'm a fucking witch. I believe magic's real. This shouldn't be a surprise to people. I mean, I'm a witch too. Um... <laughs> witch spot. Um, but I'm also like, you know, it's the, one of those things where I'm like, I'm going to do these things. I'm going to have positive beliefs. But like, if I if I turn over a tarot card and it says I'm going to have a bad day, then it's just a fucking piece of card. It doesn't. I don't give a shit. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. It's just for fun. <laughs> I guess it's like, I would never interpret a tarot card as a bad thing. I'd just say it's another step on my journey. Oh, well, oh, there you go then. <laughs> <laughs> Here's, um, so last night I did a tarot reading um, and it said something bad was going to happen to me. Um, and so this morning I went out and bought a scratch card and lost my scratch card and then said, cool, that's the bad thing that's happened to me. <laughs> You're that's like, I'm news. manifesting that as the bad thing so nothing else bad can happen. You're tricking, you're tricking the universe here, Rowan. This is the life <laughs> I just sort of seized it. I was like, okay, I take control of this opportunity. That is This magic. is mine to behold. You're doing magic. We're all I magic. just I just thought it was an interesting third uh take on how yeah, you no, deal that with is manifesting. By Umaneko's definition, magic. That's beautiful. I can't believe you were magic the whole time, Rowan. I do hope we get to graduate as witches at the end of reading this, by the way. If you want oh, to Oh god, what do you if you hate magic, you don't have to. I I can like I can have my own version of magic. <laughs> <laughs> Use magic however you want, but if you use magic, yeah, you're exactly. a witch. I don't have to. I don't ha like. I can own my own trauma, and I can use magic for other stuff. <laughs> anyway, Featherine officially acknowledges Ange as a witch of resurrection. Yay! The final, the final title, the one that she was attaining for the whole time, and so we proceed to the final ceremony. <laughs> Which is hilariously Beatrice's um, Halloween puzzle for Ange. <laughs> that she yeah. didn't get to do at the party. I'm going to ru I'm going to ruin everything. I the final ceremony is two doors, one key. Don't make me make this the episode title. I'm not doing Sorry. it. It's <laughs> empty, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the candy trick from the beginning of episode eight. <laughs> yes, it's the candy trick. Ange has to answer whether the um uh the candy magic that she has just cast is either magic or a trick and it like it writes it out for you as yes. like as a kind of puzzle and it's like she shows you her empty left hand she does all these gestures in her right hand there is a candy and so yeah. like it's obvious it's obviously it's obvious that she could have had uh, a candy in her right hand the whole time um so i was like cool well i'll, I'll guess trick because that's the objective truth, and so the thing that the uh, game doesn't want me to say, because that'll be the bad ending. <laughs> so shall we get into the endings? Ron, did you also do the trick ending first? Uh, yes, yeah. Um, and the, I, I, I was so tempted to only do one. The trick ending, to be fair, is a lot shorter as well. <laughs> um, I was also because I was, I was intrigued by it in the sense as well that like. I think it's fairly obvious what Courtney would choose, but in real, like, if you were Anja Rowan, what would you have chosen and why? Okay, 
first and foremost, I would not be Anja. <laughs> yeah, I well, simply yeah. would not have gotten myself into this situation. <laughs> you know, it was like, <laughs> there's no situation in which all my family die. I would not let that happen <laughs> as a six-year-old. Yeah. No, I am far too powerful. <laughs> okay, I would have easily saved them. Okay, now. What I say and what I believe in my heart is different things yes. because, like, it's very exactly. clearly a trick. But I, if if somebody was like earnestly trying to do a little magic trick with a candy in front of me, I re- would be like, "Wow, that's so good!" Yeah, this is to, like, this is the interesting them. thing for me because like, I'm assuming you'd have picked magic, Courtney, in this situation. Yes. Like, yes, I, I would. I would been. I'd have been the same as Rowan. I'd have been like, I know it's a trick, but I know that Beatrice wants me to say it's magic, so I'll choose magic. Yeah. And in that sense, I'm buying into magic. Anja's, like, logic probably isn't that, but... <laughs> but then, to me, I think it would be dishonest to Umineko if, in this moment, I lied to it. Because Umineko <laughs> so earnestly wants to be a book about being genuine, it would be so rude of me to turn around and lie to Umineko in my final I mean, I moments. knew I was going to choose both answers, so I was like, well... <laughs> I'm lying yeah. one way. <laughs> as we as we saw by the last fight scene, uh, it is all about sticking to your consensus uh, and yes. following your truth, regardless of what the outside world has to say about it. Yeah, and let it let it be observed. I have stuck to my fucking. You truth. have. I flip flopped all <laughs> over the place with what I think about various <laughs> things, and I, what I what I will say about this now. A big reason for that, Courtney, is I've tried so hard to like this book for you. <laughs> I've tried, I tried so hard. I, you told me you loved this book, and I was like, Courtney loves this book. I will love this book. And then as I began more and more to not love this book, I was like, No, surely, the it has to, it something amazing has to happen at some point that will change my mind. And unfortunately for me, um, the fact that I had those expectations meant the disappointment was was built worse <laughs> i'm sorry um, that i love umineko too much but i tried i tried my best for you and you know i found a lot of things i liked about it also a lot of other things <laughs> what what i will say is i do feel like reading umineko has brought me closer to courtney oh, and i'm very glad for that i understand that woman on a level that like few else will <laughs> let's do this later because i don't want to cry just yet oh yeah okay we'll we'll move on <laughs> okay so it's not ending. yet crying time <laughs> it's not yet crying time trick ending incidentally i do want to say that the little goodbye that anja does before she goes through the doors is the same no matter what ending you choose even if you choose magic or trick and still kind of moves forward it's just the way that she moves forward yeah that makes i didn't sense. like the way she moved forward in the trick ending but um we'll go into that she's on the boat to rokunjima which implies that she has survived falling off a building and has done all of those things that we saw her trying to track down her family so this is basically very similar to the fragment we saw in episode four, where she, yes. by a miracle, survives falling off the building, and then she like runs around the country with uh, Jewel Genderman to avoid the Sumadera family. And looking for clues about what happened to her family. Yes. And she comes to yeah. on the boat, and Kinzo, right before, right before Anja leaves, gives her the prize from the Halloween con- party. Yeah. And 
in this ending, she immediately throws it in the fucking sea. Yeah. She's like, well, I don't need this anymore. She's like, I'm moving on. I'm like, all right, okay. Which I think if you have the signed photo of Kinzo would be extremely good. Imagine how that, that would be incredible. Um, For me, because I've got one of those questions wrong when I replayed it, Anja tosses a doll of her own dead brother into the ocean. (laughs) It's like, yeet, don't need that anymore. I was like, yikes. So, um, this is her becoming a witch in kind of witch brackets derogatory. She, like, has a chat with Jewel Genderman. (laughs) Yeah, so we've had some hints about Jewel Genderman doing some behind-the-scenes stuff throughout this entire book. And this is kind of a culmination of that, where Ange deduces that, um, basically... Uh, the Ava's company, the Ishermia group chair people, the stockholders are worried that she's gonna, like, sell everything. Mainly because she's kind of said that. <laughs> yeah. So they came up with this plan to have her basically be chased down to Rokinjima to send, sort of, guide Kasumi there and to have them have the sort of shootout that we saw in, um... Episode four. In episode four. Meanwhile, Jewel Genderman has the sniper rifle to take out all the guards, which is a version of what could have happened in episode four. Mm-hmm. And um, also, however, Ange noticed that he picked up a special gun, which we were hinted about him picking up in episode six when he had a mysterious phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about this gun, which is the model of gun commonly used by like the Yakuza, like the sort of gun that Kasumi and her men would have, that he would use, that Ange says, you're going to use this to shoot me, to take me out the picture. To make it, and make it look like the others killed. Make it look like there was just a huge shootout on this island, and it would become basically a new cat box. And that she basically thinks that the entire plot is conducted by Okanogi, who was like Ava's right-hand man, who now runs the the group, kind of, and the rest of the Sumodera family, to basically get rid of both Kasumi and Anja and then split the profits. Yeah. Because they would then be stable. Uh, and, and Jewel Genderman's there like, no, 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 that, that wasn't the plan, no. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, babe. Yeah. <laughs> You're not a good liar. And then Anja takes out the pistol that she was just talking about and points it at him. She shoots him twice to confirm the death. Uh, she went to the um, uh, Erica Ferrudo School of Body Analysis. Yeah, she also literally says, like, just the presence of this handgun, like, is all I needed for this reasoning. What do you think, everyone? And I was like, haha, that's Erica's line. Ew. And then, the, like, the captain of the boat comes back as well. Yes, and she's like, okay, you. there are two possibilities for you. Either you had, like, no idea about this, uh, and you're on my side, mm-hmm. or you've been bought out and you're gonna betray me. So, to make sure you're the, you know, um, that, like, I'm not gonna be betrayed, basically, uh, I might as well just kill you. Yeah, she's like, the only way to confirm that the traitor is dead is to make sure that you die, even if you're not the traitor. And so she kills him as well. And I was like, wow, okay. And then fucking Erica appears and is like, 
I love you, bestie. They both say good in unison. My favorite thing about this ending is the implication that I took away from it is like Angie's like sailing away from Rock Enjima. She clearly like, doesn't care about it anymore for like yeah. reasons we've d- I've at least gone through. Whether you agree with me or not, that's why I think she's not going back to Rock Enjima. Uh, I like the idea that she and Erica are gonna become like a traveling detective team and they're gonna have like a detective serial show together where they just go around and solve a bunch of murders in the most psychopathic way possible. Okay, I do kind of want to see that. Yeah, that's like the vibe I got from this ending. I like, I uh, would be super cool with that ending if the decision that brought us here was not just saying that something wasn't magic. Because I feel like if you're like, if if you say, no, sorry, that wasn't magic, that doesn't make you Erica and it doesn't make you a cold-blooded killer. So I was like, this seems like really awful. I guess it's like, it's Ange going with the Erica school where it's like, well, I don't have objective evidence that this is true because red truth doesn't exist in the human world. But I have, like, so many, so much blue, quote-unquote blue truth that, like, cannot all be overturned. If the initial, if there'd been three doors at the end, and one of them was magic, one of them was trick, and one of them was, this is clearly a trick, you motherfucking stupid idiot, I'm going to prove everything against you and rub your face in it even if you're a six-year-old, that should be the one that ends with this ending. <laughs> because, <laughs> because that's the kind of thing that Erica did. Just saying, oh, I think it was a trick is, like, isn't the Erica essence that, like, this Anja gives me. Um, so, like, this surprised me because I was like, what? I, I feel like this specifically ties into... Um, that scene with Erica and Dylan Oren talking about her ex-boyfriend and she's like, well, I couldn't find any objective proof you were cheating on me, mm. but you like, you had to be. I have so many like theories that you can't disprove. Yeah. Um, and in this scenario, it's, and has no objective proof that what she's saying is true. She has no objective proof that Jules Genderman was going to do this to her. I guess as well, in the magic versus trick thing, she has no objective proof that it was a trick. It just very easily could have been. Exactly. That's what this is kind of going for. Okay. Is this idea that even though you could go for like a nicer explanation, it's this idea that you immediately go for, oh, it can't be real because magic doesn't exist. I take objection to this because uh, that was what I thought and I'm not an Erica. Um, (laughs) So I was like, how dare you game? How dare you say that I would be like this? Yeah, I think this is the most like extreme version of that, but it's that kind of Erica thing where you immediately go to the most brutal interpretation, I guess. I feel like it's a little bit different with magic because, like, whether your boyfriend did or did not cheat on you is both are grounded in the real world in a sense that magic or trick isn't necessarily. Depends if you believe that magic is real. I may be a witch, but magic isn't real. Yeah, that's the thing, is I, again, like, this is probably all, like, 
this may sound ridiculous, and maybe people are going to use this to bully me, but I don't fucking care, because <laughs> magic is fucking real. Again, with that, like, fucking candy trick, it's magic. Because, like, it. I don't care if it's, like, a trick or not, you know? It's magic to it's you. Like, it's magic to me, and I don't need proof of that, and I'm not going to, like... What would I gain from saying it's not magic? Yeah, I mean, yeah, in that situation, it's a bit weird because in that situation, they both react the same way no matter what you choose and they kind of don't gain anything either way. But what she does changes. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Um, uh, yeah, uh, she in both scenarios, she's moved on. In the trick ending, it's shown by her like sailing away from Rock and Jima. She's like... I don't care. What happens in the magic ending? Magic ending gaming. So we have the same ending. She gets given her present, whatever present it may be. Hopefully you got the can of mackerel. Um... (laughs) A tasty treat for later. (laughs) Okay. Mackerel does fucking slap though, so (laughs) jot that down. Uh, Ange is on the edge of the building. She's about to do the jump. Yeah, weird that it puts her in a different place in time. I find that strange, but... I think it's for themes. Anyway... Uh, she decides not to jump. She has so much to live for. Um, Yay! She she has a call for um uh President Okanogi. She's like, great news! You can have the uh, Shiramiya group, but I have a few conditions. Yeah, and he's like, oh, fantastic! I don't, I don't have to kill her now. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, uh, she basically says to herself that uh, Shiramiya and like fell and died here, but I, Ange the Witch, shall live on. Which is kind of representative of, like, the witch truth we were shown earlier this episode. Yeah. Is, like, that's kind of, like, representative of, like, her shell that cared so much about finding the truth dying. And this is, like, the reborn version of her she's left behind. If it was a red truth, it would be Ushirumiri Anja died in 1998. Yeah. Ava Beatrice and Basler closed the door that Anja opened uh, to signify the sort of cat box closing oh yeah and they just kind of say goodbye and stuff don't they yeah they say like... goodbye i think it's a good choice to have it be a treat because she's been sort of framed as the guardian of the cat box she had her diary the book of single truth mm. so i think it's like fitting that she gets to close it with that yeah she's like see ya <laughs> yeah she's like peace out featherine's like i got some shit to do <laughs> Uh, Battler says his goodbyes to Erica. Uh, Erica's confused as to why she's a less powerful witch of truth than Ange. Especially because, yeah, she's like, Ange saw the truth and then decided she wasn't going to believe it anyway. How am I the inferior one? Um... Battler's like, well, you're not a witch. You're a detective. And she's like, you're right. I am the detective. And it will continue to ruin people's lives as in the name of being a detective. <laughs> you you fucking go. Uh, you go, you nasty um, little guy. <laughs> I've said this before. One of the reasons I love Erica is she's in this story to do a very specific thing. And she does a specific thing so disgustingly well that I just love the character. <laughs> she's a nasty little guy. So good. <laughs> uh, it's so good. I love horrible women. Ryukishi delivers on horrible women. That that you can most definitely yeah, say. Yeah, like there's nothing untrue there. In Red Truth, you can say that. Well, even if I couldn't say it in Red Truth, that is my golden truth. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't care what people say about Ryukishi's ability to write horrible women. In my heart, some of Thank the best God. horrible women. Yeah. And God knows Courtney loves a horrible woman. I love a horrible woman. <laughs> uh, they say that they're going to cross blades again, but then the narration says those are the final words. They spoke to each other, so... <laughs> the narration's out. like, no, nah, you're not. <laughs> oh, speaking of horrible woman... Uh, one women. Hachijo returns to the human world. <laughs> Hachijo does the biggest power move. Hachijo returns to the human world to this conference where everyone's waiting for her to open the diary, only to turn around and go, "Oh lol, I'm not opening it. No, I'm good, actually." Everyone's a bit pissed at this. <laughs> Me included, because this is so. This is this is the like. You don't need an ending to Umaneko. Umaneko doesn't have an ending. Um, like it was all a dream. This is what you. you this is what you were scared bit. of, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, because I think I think the time has passed for Umaneko to give us this thing. Like, as I got to this thing, I was like, you know what? I don't fucking care anymore. <laughs> um, so I was fine with this, but this is just. Uh, Ryukishi, give us an answer ever. I uh, yeah, Challenge I I saw impossible. this coming a little bit. I was like, they're not. Yeah, I was like, we're not gonna see what's in that. I saw that coming from a few episodes ago, and I'd made my peace with it. Um, I I cared much more about getting good answers to the first four game boards than I cared about getting this. And because we didn't get those, I was like, I pff, this I'm not sure matters um that much. It's so funny to me because I came into this still believing that I know, we would get some concrete I know. You, answers. You have remained, haven't you? Had had some misplaced faith in what Rikishi was going for right until the end. Like God, God damn! I played, I played that man's Your game. Your golden truth was that Rikishi would give you the answers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and because you believe yeah. in that golden truth. It doesn't matter what you do, because <laughs> as you know, he will give you the answers. He will give you the answers. One day you'll wake up and there'll be a, a, a letter on your doormat, and it will be a, a it will be the single truth written specifically to you by Ryukishi because you put that golden truth into the universe. I I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Actually, there you go. Um, you alone will know the single truth of Umaneko, and you'll look at it and go, "Oh, that wasn't as interesting as I thought it was going to be." <laughs> <laughs> we become we become ex- like super internet famous to the point where I get to read me Ryukishi. During this time, I have learned Japanese and I'm able to easily converse with him. <laughs> we sit down in uh, a room alone together. No one else knows uh, what happens inside this room, but Ryukishi and I have a long conversation whereby he tells me what actually happened. In that October of 1986, I'm the only person who knows the true ending of Umaneko. You spit in his face and leave. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> that's my that's my golden truth. That's my witch truth. <sighs> I've decided that's real. I can't wait. I can't wait till this happens. You will tell us, of course. Um... The, I, I no, I won't be telling you. I'm preserving that cat box. The cat box at the end of Umaneko. What have we gone through this to stay close? <laughs> you're gonna have to learn japanese and convince ryukishi to tell you the ending of umineko your damn self also the extremely funny thing about this reveal 
that Hashijo does is it makes it apparently causes a ripple in the true crime community of 1998 Japan in which they all go hang on is it a massive invasion of privacy that we like made such a big deal about this literal actual family's like murders and stuff and really wanted to know the answers and then they kind of went maybe not yeah she she basically completely destroys the reputation of everyone interested in this. Yeah, um, which I you know, Ryukishi, a lot of Ryukishi's messages are lost on me clearly. But the one where he said, "Don't fetishize the murders of real people," <laughs> that did go hard. He's that right. did go hard. <laughs> um, so I'm like, yeah, that's a good that's a good line to be you know standing on. I think. Coming down hard on the uh, true crime podcasters, I love it. Yeah. So, Featherine, as one last act of respect for the uh, game board, uh, throws a golden rose into the uh, Nijima Sea as a sign of respect for the catwalk. And we cut to the third day, October 6th. We've never seen day three. (laughs) We've never seen day three. And Battler is there with Beatrice in the secret tunnels underneath uh, Rock and Jiva. So this is like post-explosion, so they've survived by being in the submarine tunnel. I go feral instantly, because Beato's line is the place we first met two generations ago. And I'm like, so do you believe that Battler is the, like, resurrection of Kinzo in the same way that you're the resurrection of OG Beato? Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> bestie <laughs> this is delusions not even Anja could cook up obviously like you can you can read this as Sayo and Battler both survived and this is Sayo but we're seeing Beatrice not Sayo mm-hmm. I read it as Beatrice isn't there this is a witch truth and Battler's by himself um, so I kind of uh, anything Beatrice said I was kind of just like yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> You're not really here, though, are you? <laughs> um, uh, I like to think it's Sayo, but like I can also see that as like I I was like, gonna say like because of the way this ends, I don't want to think it's Sayo. But yeah, that's fair. Um... <laughs> that's fair, and like I'm not gonna like debate that because like I think that is a valid reading of this. But yeah, I can I can very much uh, see how it works if it is Sayo. Um... It's just very sad if it's Sayo. It is very sad. I think I like this because I think ultimately, especially Sayo's story is a tragedy. And I think that's one of the... I think this kind of cements that and one of the reasons I find this ending quite powerful. So that's why I choose to interpret it as this is Sayo. Like, one of the reasons that I I didn't believe that it was Sayo was because Sayo's whole thing was that they would die in the explosion. So I was like, well, why would they have gotten out of the range of the explosion by hiding in the submarine tunnels if they, you know, if that yeah. had been their goal? So um... clearly, whatever whatever single truth just happened it ended <laughs> with uh, Battler and maybe Beato escaping yes. to the submarine base to yeah, like this modern motorboat waiting for them. The seagulls have returned yeah. to start crying again, uh, and they sort of sail out together uh, uh, onto the onto the sea. And Battler talks about bringing Beato into the uh, uh, away from Rock and Jima into the real world. 
She seems a bit like hesitant because she says that she's she bears too many sins yeah. as a witch, and she's she's kind of like I don't belong in the in the human world kind of thing. Um, and Battler says, "Well, the way to atone is to live." And what she does is she decides to get him to close his eyes and she kisses him. I have a breakdown. And I, I, it was at this moment where I was like, if I shipped Beatrice and Battler, I'd be going feral right now. Unfortunately, I have basically no feelings about this ship whatsoever, which was a shame because it landed a bit flat for me. <laughs> I was like, I want this to be an emotional moment and it's 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 not That's happening. Fair. How were you about this, Rowan? Because you loved this ship until it became canon. <laughs> I don't. I don't know that guy. <laughs> who? I'm so sorry to call fuck? you out like that, but um, I cannot. I cannot believe that I was like the OG Bayota battle. You liked it before shipper. it got cool, and then it got cool, and then you were like, absolutely not. The true hipster of the Bayota community. I thought it would be funny. Listen, okay, I throw bits out like blue truths, <laughs> and sometimes some of them land, and this. This particular snake has come round to buy me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's literally a, literally eating its own tail. Got it. I thought you were going to say eating its own ass. <laughs> yeah, the 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 sign the symbol of infinity, a snake eating its own ass. Yeah. Um. Again, yeah. Like, if I shipped this, I would be a lot more feral about this. I assume you were, Courtney. Oh yeah. Fucking lost it. Screaming, uh, crying. However, when Battler opens his eyes, Beatrice isn't there. She gone. Along with the gold ingot that they brought with from the island. Which at first I thought was a I at first I thought it was like a oh Beatrice was never there, this is an illusion thing. And then I was like, oh no, she she jumped into the water. <laughs> That's what that was yeah. supposed to be. I mean you could also interpret it as that. There is actually nothing in this text stopping you from doing that. No, especially because from this point it gets a little it gets a little hazy as to how much of it happened. Yeah. Uh but yeah, the way we are told this is that she's basically jumped into the ocean with the gold ingot to like weigh her down yeah. so that she'll sink. And she's going towards the abyss where she belongs. And they're kind of talking mentally through this. Yeah, he dives in after her. She's talking to him, and it says that when he tries to speak, only only bubbles come out. So yeah. they're like fully submerged, and lots of like hard Beato battle content. Yeah, lots of we should go down together. Your sins yeah. are mine because of me. Yeah, Be- Beato's like you need to return. I'm a creature of illusion. You're real. You can't follow me. I need to return to the abyss of illusions. And he's like, I'll be, I want to be with you to the end, even if it kills me, basically. Um, a fantastic shot of Battler's ass. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get the CG? I didn't and it perfectly I did at the top, and you get his ass framed. You get his ass. And it's like, yeah, Butler. It's good to know you were paying attention to the important stuff during the emotional scenes, Rowan. She sees Battler's body float away, but then even though it's literally like, impossible uh she feels him back holding her which is one of one of the reasons why i'm like did any of this happen um what does it mean so the way the way i kind of like it is given what we know moving forward is that like this is where battler shiramia dies 
Yeah. His body floats away, but Battler himself embraces the witch and falls into the abyss with her. you know, th- so this is this is one of the reasons like i wrote down the bullet point i don't really know what any of this means because i was like i feel like there's a metaphor happening here and i wasn't i didn't have didn't quite get where what it was i think you've nailed it on the head there um yeah. and like you could read you could read the whole thing as battle was alone the whole time and basically he can't fucking ride a motorboat because he's terrified of boats and he fell into the sea um or you could read it that he was there with Sayo, or like there's so many different ways you could read so this. So many different ways. That's what's really great about this scene. And I, I think this in this scenario, that works. At the bottom of the ocean, the golden rose from earlier that Hachjo has thrown floats down uh, to the bottom where, buried in sand, is a little box, which is Beatrice's cat box. Then, after that scene, I'm trying so hard not to cry, because <laughs> the song that plays during this fucks me up. Um, it's There's some good music in these endings. Like, it was, yeah. like, I found, that's one of the reasons that I found this scene a bit of a shame for me, because, like, the music was going, it was also, like, it was quite beautiful, and I was just like, if I had the emotional connection between these two, this would be really, like, powerful, and I just didn't, and I wanted to. Um, This is one of the reasons why I said, uh, like, my ending would be Sio-focused, is because I think if, if this had happened, like, two episodes ago, and we'd gotten, like, we were like full like Beato brain and we were like you know this this would have gone so much harder like can you imagine the version of you that's reading the like court the witch court episode like oh yeah anyway sorry i think the ending was bloated and this does slap it just needs it, to be yeah, so much was, closer to the emotional core of yeah there was, what was, a, there was a lot of on. we've kind of forgotten about beatrice we're on anja now and then this right at the end being like wait remember beatrice i was like kind of um yeah and <laughs> kind it's of cool and it should have it should have hit better than it did um if it wasn't bloated yeah. so it is fun um so after this Courtney stops crying, and we go to 1998. Bless you. And just kind of wrapping things up with Okonogi. Who is now her legal guardian. Which is hilarious, considering we know he had a plot to kill her. Well, we don't know he had a plot to kill her. He had a plot to kill her in another timeline that she... Well, I guess she thought he could have had a plot to kill her. He could have. You're right. Maybe I'm just still too trusting of some of these scenes. I don't know. As soon as they don't have active witches in, I'm like, yeah, this must be real. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. She had a theory in another timeline that he was going to kill her. And Makasa was very good at looking suspicious. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) Uh, She says, oh, thank you for telling me without love it can't be seen. And he's like, did I really say something that pretentious? Uh, Which is great. And I'm like, I don't know. It was years ago at this point. (laughs) It wasn't years. It was months ago. But like, I was like, did he say that? Maybe he did. I don't know. He did say that. He's the first person to say it. Uh... Uh, Which is very funny. What? Of all the people in the book, he's the first person to say that? That's wild. Here's the bit where I say that there is uh, a character who looks like him called Okonogi in Higurashi and is a reoccurring character in Ryukishi's works, but it's unclear if they're the same character or not. 
or yeah, if it's I just think like you mentioned that before. I th- um, have I mentioned it before? Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's why he got given this line. But um... uh, shout out to the extended Ryukishi universe. <laughs> so he says that she's always uh, welcome to come back, uh, and she's like, "Well, it's good to know, but I'm gonna go on my my little quest." And who's she going with? It's Jewel Gender. <laughs> He's her, his final he's her driver now. She's like, oh, just so long as it's not, though. <laughs> <laughs> so they head off. She, he's like, where do you want to go? And she's like, got any recommendations? Uh, he's like, ooh, I mean, we could go to, uh, oh, we could go north to Hokkaido. And she's like, cool, let's go south. I was going to do the opposite of whatever you said. Um, <laughs> Love that for her. She's decided to become an author. That is what she's decided to do with her life which i do think is really cute because it wraps up a lot of themes like obviously she's 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 had run-ins with like feathering and stuff like battler loved reading like there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that kind of links to like books and also obviously like magic and fantasy and stuff and um she hasn't decided what genre she's going to write, but I was like, yeah, that seems that seems nice. That seems fitting. And she's rich enough that she's she can be an author and will be published, even if she's a terrible writer. So go privilege on that one. That's a, an accessible <laughs> career path for her. <laughs> so she can do it for the fun rather than the money. It's thematic. We've finished the chapter but we have the tea parties yes. now we're at almost two hours <laughs> i knew I this was gonna be a long one i'm sorry i'm i'm sorry gag i knew this was gonna this be is a long the jumbo one. the jumbo episode for you all uh we have the 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 vanilla tea party uh our last tea party um and first it starts with uh featherine uh, who's uh, finished uh, finished doing some writing ironically she says she talks about how there's a time to stop writing because a story can't go on forever and i'm like you fucking tried riakashi didn't you <laughs> fucking tried to write forever didn't you uh, you still managed to leave out quite a lot of important things <laughs> she says that she will write a bit further which lines up with the fact that there's still so much more Umanaka content yeah. out there. <laughs> I was like, lines up with the fact that we are still reading. Um, uh, we'll talk more about Feathery and I think next episode. I think now we don't really have time to go into her, but... And then we get a little, like, comedy scene with Burncastle sewing back together Lambda Delta's body. Because even though she's come back to life... She's still dismembered. Yeah, it was it was established that Anja brought her back to life along with all of the others. Yeah. Um, and this was like it's really quite funny because like Erica turns up as well and like they kind of have some friendly banter between her and Lambda, which ends with like because like Lambda's limbs that aren't yet attached are like walking around on their own and shit and like like a fucking Looney Tunes cartoon. Erica like reaches into the insides of like Lambda's left arm and like tickles her, and it's like, oh, it turns out she was really ticklish there. And the narration explicitly is like, do not worry, this is not gory. It is a fun scene. It is cute. <laughs> she does not have blood in there. It is fluff and cotton candy. And I was like, I don't know. This is still grim. <laughs> I was 
like, I'm really, this is so uncomfortable. But I did think it was really funny that the narration had to, like, take a time out to, like, explicitly tell me it was supposed to be funny. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, Rikishi, Rikishi wins at humour yet again. Rikishi's about as good at telling jokes as I am. <laughs> Don't. Don't be so mean to yourself, Rowan. Listen, the number of times you've made me laugh while editing. I'm glad someone finds me funny. Of course. Um, so they're talking about like what happened to everybody and like Will and Kyle have like comedy ending. It's like, oh, he hit it big on the foreign exchange and his investments are good. He's invested like... in real estate, which I think means Will has to be cancelled now because he's a landlord. Yeah. So goodbye. Willard Wright in the bin. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is this is clearly a witch wrap up of being like, oh, this is what happened to all your favourite witch OCs. Um they're all chilling, they're having a nice time. Everyone's lives happily ever after. Vern Castle and Lambda Delta say goodbye to each other. Uh they drop some names of some other popular Japanese franchises in the process. Do they? Yeah. Uh they um they talk about where they'll next meet and um Burnt Castle drops children. Oh of yeah, Paradise they say and... like Ghost in the Shell or something, yeah. don't they? <laughs> yeah, they say Ghost in the Shell. I do think it's funny, like as well. They say like we'll meet again when something else cries, and I'm like, hey, that's the title that's of the, the series. <laughs> We've got there. We've got there finally. <laughs> and they they head off back into the Sea of Fragments, but we're not done yet. Yeah. No, were we fucking ever? <laughs> finally, finally have the hidden tea party. It's the hidden tea party's last hidden tea party. Oh my god. End of an era. End of an era. Again, don't cry. Decades later, uh, there is a um, publishing awards ceremony where they are celebrating the bestseller fantasy novel called Sakutaro's Grand Adventure. And I'm like, okay, now that is really sweet. I do like that. The author, whose name is Yukari Kotobuki, uh, is receiving her award. I need confirmation, by the way, uh, Courtney. Does that mean anything in Japanese? Yukari Kotobuki is an alternative way of reading the characters used to spell Ange. Oh, that's nice. I thought there'd be something like that in there. Yeah. So you could read the two characters that are used for Ange as Kotobuki and Yukari. That's nice. Basically, she's been writing for ages, but hasn't really gotten any recognition. Uh, apparently the first six volumes of this Sakutaro series were um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it unappreciated. It like children's eight-part fantasy series. Yeah. That she explicitly says that her goal is to basically teach children how to find happiness. Yeah. Um... And I do really like that thematically as a kind of ending thing. Like, I do think the Andrew Becomes a Children's Book magic, like, fantasy author thing really works with all of this. Um, so I did, yeah, I did enjoy that. Yeah. Um, and her royalties go to charities to support children in need. So she's backing it up with her actions. We love yeah, to see that. And she's overtaken Harry Potato. wonder what that could be a <laughs> Yes, to. she has. She's better than Harry Potato. Ryukishi unintentionally, probably, dunking on our least, least favourite author. Um, a certain other magic franchise whose take on magic I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she gets talking to an agent who says that Hachijo Toya uh, would like to meet with her. Yes. And yeah, she says she used, she tried to get an interview once 
and it implies that this was in her early career and i think it implies that this is not the time we heard about like yeah. in 1998 um when anja was like trying to get hold of her then i think it's implied that this was later than that but i wasn't sure yes she has mixed feelings towards her because she wrote all these this fanfic about her dead family yeah but also was the one who like kind of managed to stop everyone from speculating on it so understandable about the mixed feelings there yes yeah uh and they decide to sort of meet up for like uh a coffee date kind of thing <laughs> yeah and, and and the agent's like oh she will be bringing her her secret male writing partner that no one's supposed to know about. We we then discover it's Hachijo Toya wheeling in a man who looks like Battler, except he looks he looks like Young Kinzo is what he looks like because it's yeah, the same he looks style. Like and model yeah. of Young Kinzo. Um, <laughs> it was an edited Young Kinzo yeah, because Ryuki so. famously ran out of time to do all the yeah, sprites. I was, like, this I was like, he ain't gonna draw another one. Uh, Hachijo doesn't get an older sprite. This is uh, written as her, like, having the air of someone timeless. So... I didn't actually notice the fact that she hadn't aged, honestly. Um... Women aren't allowed to age. <laughs> okay, so m- my interpretation of this isn't that, like, oh, she's, like, a-, a witch or anything. It's that, like, she just has an air around her that causes Ange to, like, sort of see her as like if i had to think figure. about this now because i didn't notice at the time would would take this more as uh she ages like a normal person uh andrea because she did not have time to make her an older sprite <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and and we're hand waving it in fiction <laughs> so so Ange clocks instantly that this is bala yeah pretty much has to be him look at his face but they have a weirdly stiff, polite start anyway. They're like, bow at each other and like, have an awkward sit down and order some coffee and talk, don't talk about it for a while. And he's like, bro, are you, are you Anja? And she's like, y- y- yeah. <laughs> yeah, she, he confirms that he's Battler and she has like a breakdown. Uh, yeah. Like fully like sobbing. There's, there's this moment as well where she, she, there's there's quite a lot of her internal stuff going on here and she's she basically thinks like oh hachijo's forgeries were so good of you know the rock and jima murders because battler was giving her inside knowledge on it all but I, and so at first i was like oh so does this mean one of hachijo's forgeries was anja's single truth but then i was like they, they can't be because the only one where ava survived was the one where ava killed a load of people and uh <laughs> clearly i feel like clearly in Ange when Ange saw the single truth that wasn't the case yeah well it's we don't know how much battler knows about those two days that's the yeah, thing that's true like i i read this as basically like battler helped with with like some potential things that would have happened but like i i don't necessarily believe that any of the game boards we saw were his actual truth but they could have been she sort of blames herself for this, saying she she must have made herself so hard to get because she changed her name, and I, and I was a bit like like because originally I had no I I was you know assuming that she was going to be actively looking for her family, so I was so confused as to why she would have changed her name because I was like but she's high like she's actively making it difficult to find her, um and then she acts as if she's only just realised that which is quite funny, 
Yeah. But she's like, no, it all worked out. I've, I've been reunited with my brother. Mm. But then Battler drops the reveal that actually he was the one who refused to meet her uh, all those years ago when she yeah, first tried to find he him. He already knew who she was at that point when she, and he didn't want to see her. Um, and she gets very angry about that. Yeah, <laughs> um, understandably. Understandably. We kind of get the reveal that he's have he's had a particularly hard time reconciling his two identities, and he it sort of led him to have a fit, which led to him being wheelchair bound. Essentially, yeah. He he basically like he it took him such a long time to get his memories back that by that point he'd kind of he had a new identity and personality, so the old memories didn't really fit with who he was now and so he kind of conceptualized himself as two people and like thought that if he met Anja then like his new personality would be erased and he'd go back to being the old one and so I was like this is all very complicated um but it's interesting so I don't you know I don't dislike it we get a fucking jump scare shot of the um top of the buildings where Anja like jumps off uh, that I was like, oh god, is she just gonna do it? Is she like, oh well, my manifestation worked, and I was like, is uh, Imaneko gonna it's end this way? It's just an atmospheric shot of the landscape that shows that it's nighttime now because they talked a lot in the cafe, <laughs> but you were like, no, yeah. <laughs> same asset yeah. problems, I think maybe. She she gets to call him Nissan, like brother, like they get a little reconciliation moment. It's clearly very good for her. Yeah, they talk and a bit about aware their, of that. like childhood. Yeah. I think it's good for both of them. But they kind of agree that they shouldn't like keep in touch. Um Yes. Because yeah, he's kind because... of he's got his own life now and the doctors basically advised yeah. him to like not think about his past memories as much as possible because it was clearly bad for his health, which I'm not sure that's good advice, but like, you know. <laughs> and tells him that she wants him to see him one more time and it will hopefully also help give him closure from Battler. Um, and so later that year in October, they go to visit the uh, Fukuin house, which the you orphanage. will remember is the orphanage, the orphanage where Sayo and all the Shiromiya servants came from. Which apparently shut down a bit after Kinzo's death because no one was paying for it, but then Angela like, resurrected it. <laughs> And made it a nice place. It does explicitly say it's nice now, and probably they're not training servants there anymore. Um. <laughs> yeah, they're not. <laughs> yeah, so they bring a like a, a donation, uh, which uh, Ange accepts. Oh, it's their Halloween party as well. It's all decorated. It's the Halloween, for Halloween party, and Ange takes them through the a pair of double door doors. We get our last. I think it's like our penultimate, like, Umaneko door opening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because later it's a door closing. So, yeah, this yeah. is our last door opening. <laughs> and inside is basically an exact replica of the Ushiromiya house. Like, like d- dining room, which is a wild thing to do, if you believe that's actually what's through this door anyway. But, like, what a, thi- what a thing to do. Like, the Beatrice portraits on the wall. <laughs> like- and uh, all the kids... Uh, come to come to greet them, and finally we get this scene of, I guess what's left of Battler, what's been like sort of trapped, seeing 
all of Ryukishi's OCs. It is li- it's every- yeah, it's all of the OCs saying like goodbye and congratulations and various other things one after the other, which is quite funny because it scrolls sideways past them all and there's so many that it does take a really long time. But they all have a nice thing to say to him. Beatrice offers up her hand to him and Battler takes it. And I, the way I sort of read this is it's like Battler stepping out of Toya. He also explicitly steps out of his wheelchair. Which is why I sort of read it like that, because... I don't think a ghost of Beatrice magically gave Battler the ability to walk. Yeah, so I think you can read you can read this scene in so many ways. And actually, that one was not any of the ones I'd come up with. <laughs> oh, really? Um, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't. I I came up with the opposite, which was basically um. Well, I came up with three three ideas. Either this is a fun witch truth. In which, you know, basically what happened was uh, Battler Toya went to this event and it was lovely. And this is an opportunity for all of the NPCs to basically say goodbye to us. Uh, <laughs> number two is, in this moment, the the seeing of the uh, Ushiramir dining hall kind of prompts Battler's memory. And Battler takes over Toya's body and becomes like basically what Toya feared would happen in, this, in that Battler is now the only personality in that head um, and number three Battler is so horrified at seeing the Shiramir dining hall again that he outright dies on the spot <laughs> I think thematically I like my interpretation I, like, better yeah like I think thematically yours works best and it's not one that I thought I considered <laughs> which I think is extremely funny. <laughs> um, I just wasn't really sure how you were supposed to take that. Because, <laughs> like, we've just had it told that remembering Battler's shit, like, pa- presumably paralyzed this guy? Yeah, I, yeah I, let's not read into that too much, but yes. Um, yeah, like I was like, this could well have like done him irreparable damage or literally killed him. I don't think that's what I was like. Clearly, those two are probably not what Ryukishi intended. Um, but yeah. So my interpretation of the paralysis thing was, I just assumed that like he had like kind of like an epileptic fit over it. And like, I don't know, fell down some stairs. Injured himself. Yeah. Rather than like he thought so hard that his legs broke. Oh, yeah, I also hadn't considered that. You're right, that makes a lot more sense, Corley. <laughs> am yeah. I just an Am I just an idiot? Is that my problem? Am I just not clever enough for Umaneko? Is that <laughs> I don't think so. I think maybe I'm just more visual novel pilled. That I'm more used to the style of writing. Maybe, or, yeah. Or, or I've had, well, also, I, I have had more time to sit with this ending. That's true. I've had more time You've to think about it. You've also had some time with the fandom who presumably talk about things yes, like exactly. this. Yes, exactly. I've probably, like, I can never attribute a lot of my interpretations to wherever, because you just, yeah, it all sort of washes the over you. The thing I would have done if I wasn't playing this game with you all would be to google umaneko ending explained and read about what other people thought all of this had meant which is what i do about with other games where i'm like i'm not entirely sure exactly what the theming went or what all of these piece moving pieces were about 
<laughs> so and I didn't do that for this because I knew we'd be talking about it so but yeah it's um yeah so I wrote so it ends with me being confused that does seem fitting <laughs> um, perfect I couldn't ask for anything I better I know right um but yeah like I it was interesting the decision to make Anja's reunion with Battler like actually really sad it was she got her golden truth she got her wish like they did like one of her family did come home and it was kind of actually probably worse than if he hadn't it's like it's your brother but it's not your brother um and your and your brother who isn't your brother also rejected you in the past when he had the opportunity to i'm like oof oof um she seems to think it was a good thing. I just think, like... Well, it's because she's clearly, like, found a new purpose for her life. Yeah, she got something good out of it, and I am glad for that. But I think, yeah, from an outside perspective, it was very sad, um, that whole exchange. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a very bittersweet ending. I think it's kind of perfect. Yeah, I, I was like, if it, had been an, if it had been a happy ending, it would have seemed weirdly counter to everything else that the novel was about, so... yeah. And also, given we had the red truth that Battler is dead, this is a way for that red truth that to, to happen, still hold yeah. up. Um, and also, like, there's also the, obviously the thing, like, this is this scene is set decades later. Like, Angela's quite old. Battler's quite old. Angela's also dying, it establishes. Her, her truth came true, but not in the way that she maybe would have ideally wanted it to. There were a lot, like, I liked, I liked that i liked Angie's storyline with the writing novels and stuff there were a lot of things about this ending that i liked it was <laughs> it was mainly the whole thing about like what magic meant and what magic was and the role that magic played that i i like just didn't vibe with me personally and that was unfortunately quite a big part of all of this yeah i i hope i hope like even if you don't agree with my thoughts now i hope my my interpretation has at least been interesting it's been interesting it certainly helped as well because like i was struggling to find any other interpretation, <laughs> um, even though I knew there had to be one because I knew that this clearly wasn't what Ryukishi meant. So, like, yeah, it helps to know. It helps to know what he meant. Um, I feel like I wish he'd been a bit more clearer that that is what he meant because, obviously, like from my perspective, I wasn't making that logical jump uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> without more assistance. Um, and you know. I would have preferred not to end up with such a negative view of it. And I feel like he could have helped poke me along there into a more positive one yeah. um, with a bit more well, clarification. That's what this podcast is for. Uh, I'm not going to deny that this is not like a really difficult to read piece of fiction. Yeah. Uh, if, uh, if you think that's because it's badly written, more power to you. I think I I think bits of it are I know but I think bits of it are because it's well written as well. Um, there are there are various reasons why it's difficult. Yeah, it's not difficult in the way Redwall's difficult, which is to say like the accents are impossible, and it's not difficult necessarily always in the way that like Lolita is difficult in that like the subject matter isn't always like the grimmest darkest thing you can possibly imagine. No, there's there's definitely some of that. Yeah. Um. And the bits that are there are done quite well, I think. It's it's dense. It's an extremely it dense. dense piece of media. And sadly, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> that is my opinion of Umineko. <laughs> How 
how how did you feel having finished this again, Courtney? It's it's tears time. It's tears time, everyone. So Umaneko says that you need at least two people to create a universe. And through doing this podcast, I've had not only my co-host, but also everyone who has uh, been listening to us go through this ridiculously long, incredibly complicated uh, video game. And um, I'd like to say that this going into this, this was already a piece of media that I loved and really resonated with me. And thanks to this whole experience and doing this every week and having all these conversations about it, it's really created something very special. And um, I've really appreciated doing this. Thank you guys so much for sticking around, for listening to this. Thank you to Jessarome for, like, reading this whole thing. This book is so fucking long. <laughs> and uh, for being really patient with it, and me. And, um, and you've really created a, a kind of magic that I'll always remember, Aww. cherish, and re-experience for, for the rest of my life. So, thank you. It's been an You're honor. sweetheart. I've said yeah. all along, like, the thing that has kept me going is because I know that this book is so important to you. And, like, yeah. the I was like, I'm I'm in it because, not because I'm enjoying Umineko, but because I, I love my friend and I want to know more about her. Um... And so even though it wasn't like, you know, I wouldn't have finished it if it was, it was not for the pod, but like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's been, it's been a whole ass journey. Yeah. Like I think like one of the, like one of the reasons that I wanted to love it so much was because I knew you did. And I was like, I, I really want to be on that wavelength for you. And I, I wish I had loved it as much as you did, but I'm glad that I could appreciate what you love in it. And we could go along that journey together. And we love you, Courtney. <laughs> I'm so excited to read a thing that you love, Jess, and absolutely tear that to shreds. <laughs> yeah, I was like, we're doing one of mine next. You fucking go wild, honestly. Um, <laughs> Revenge. Tell me you hate it. <laughs> I hope you get as much out of that as I, I have for this, because as I said, I went into this Having an echo is something that's been really formative to me, and now, like, this whole thing has just, like, created something incredible. And a huge thanks, also a huge thanks to everyone who's guest hosted with us. Yes. It's, that, that's, that's been amazing. That's, um, uh, Mike, Kelsey, Aggie. Thank you to Adam for these special Adam episodes. Those will be continuing. Un Unironically, guest uh, episodes are like some of the best episodes we have, I think. Or like definitely some of my favorites to record. They're great fun. Some real, real bangers. And also thank you to all the uh, amazing voice actors that we have had doing some readings. Uh, just really incredible work from everyone. And thank you so much to my sister who did uh, both of the um, uh, intro, like intros that we've had for the pod. Uh, both absolutely incredible. Like, yeah, they fucking slap. Uh, I don't know how really, she does it. No, um, it's incredible. Really, really great. Uh, oh, yeah, and thank just... you for Rowan for putting more. To the... Thank you for Rowan for putting more time into doing the pod art for both oh, seasons. Yeah, yeah, it's so long ago. Um, <laughs> And for both of you two for doing all of the editing because I haven't oh. done a single bit of it. And uh... <laughs> Courtney, Courtney did, I would say, 
the vast amount of editing. I think this yeah, perhaps she did, three she did. But you did contribute. I did. I did certainly <laughs> contribute. I've probably outweighed the amount of like difficulty that I've created, Courtney, whilst editing by like doing bits, coughing directly <laughs> into the editing. microphone, <laughs> leaning like... away from the microphone. <laughs> As you can see, I'm doing pens. right now. <laughs> Um, I've probably weighed that out by editing two episodes. Although I did once stay up until like fucking 3am on Christmas Eve to edit an episode. So. Wild. um, Let it not be said it was not done with love. Without love, it cannot be pod. (laughs) It cannot be pod. I'm going to be editing the next one. So if they're shit, I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. Oh, damn, is this how we're we ending are, this episode? Okay. Obviously, I'm really emotional because this is the last reading, yeah. but we're not done with Ivaneka. We will have a wrap-up episode next week. We'll go over, like, themes, characters, facts. Uh, it's gonna be great. We're gonna... I'm, I'm comprised... I'm, I'm compiling a list of questions because I feel like as much as this has been great fun, we haven't had nearly enough of Courtney's opinions yeah. on Imaneko because obviously, like, there's been a lot of spoilers and things that she, like, wasn't able to say at the time, so I have a lot of things to ask about, you know, her experience doing all I'm of this I'm very excited. Well. It's it's not over yet, but thank, thank you so much everyone for coming on this journey and stick around because... Good night! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> again. Bye. Are we really ending like that? (laughs) Beatrice stepped forward and held out a hand to Battler. Battler slowly grasped that hand and rose to his feet. Listen, she said. All of us are finally gathered here. Tonight, we shall resurrect golden land. An explosive applause greeted Battler as Beatrice embraced him, strongly, tightly, as though she would never let go. We shall be together for all eternity. I dedicate this tale to my beloved witch Beatrice.